0: You're listening to the Names Not Numbers podcast, the annual Ideas Festival produced by Editorial Intelligence. What Matters in Food, a special session with the Groucho Club, hosted by the writer and critic A.A. A. Gill.
1: Hello, um, I'm Adrian, this is Jonathan. Um, I'm not sure that Jonathan does need any more of an introduction he has made some of the best television you've ever seen. And before he did that, or as well as doing that, he was also the food critic for the Saturday Times, the Times, um, and before it was handed over to a lifestyle columnist. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the loose... Um, conceit of this talk is that is that food belongs to the people who first cooked it or to the farmers who first grew it, or to the people who first stole it. Um, Jonathan, for the sake of this argument, is going to suggest that food is regional and that food does make culture and that you are what you eat. A misquotation from Brillat-Severin, who actually said, tell me what you eat and I'll tell you who you are. It's a social observation, uh, not a jingoistic one. Um, I, for the sake of this conceit, will say that it's not true, that it really doesn't matter, that there is no such thing as Italian food, that French food is a memory, that the Iberians who took frying to Japan were also the Jews who took fried fish to the east end of London and gave us the fish and chips you had today. It's no more British than um, Passover is. Uh, But it is also as British as Passover is. Uh,
0: Jonathan, convince me. Um, Well, what I would say is that the thing I quoted in that film, which was made, I think, 12 years ago, um, Moran's um, thing, that that the kernel of... um, uh, any civilization you, f- you find its cooking. Um, and as I said then, uh, that is a specifically French um, trope. I mean, uh, an Albanian would presumably say that at the center of any um, uh, civilization is uh, the quality of its pimping and its people trafficking. Um, and a, the Welsh would say that um, uh, you, you'd have to look to. The quality of those fleecy temptresses on the hills. <laughs> um, so uh, that was just a way to get get in get in into that thing. I don't entirely believe it, but I, I do believe that um, food is, as you mentioned, um, Bria Savarin, it is a, a signifier of uh, your status, your self estimate, uh, your social class, uh, your social place and your um, location um, There has grown up in the last 25 years um, a sort of sort of genuine regionalism in in britain regional accents have come back uh, as um, signs of identity of belonging to Newcastle or Scotland. When did you hear
1: a regional regional accent down here?
0: Here, everybody it, well, no, everybody no, speaks Notting Hill, Mockney it, here. Of, of course, they of course the people in this room do. But you get out into Leyston, into the badlands, um, <laughs> and and um, watch the people who are getting off the train at Saxmundham International, <laughs> kind of wall to wall problem families. They do. They're not speaking the new kind of RP, which which, which is. Um, as spoken in the Hanging Gardens of Northern Kensington. Um, there, there, they are, there, is, there, there is a genuine regionalism, which, doesn't, which is not the regionalism of PR and Ludlow being the heart of England and somewhere else being the lungs of England and somewhere else being its spleen. Um, there, there, there is a self-conscious regionalism, which you see in... Um, I mean, you're not interested in football. I, I am... Um, I mean, I would love it if there were subtitles for Kenny Duglish and uh, Alan Hansen. But most of these people, these pundits and so on, are fiercely um, connected to a particular place where where they come from. There's a very primitive tribalism. And that tribalism is also to be found in the kind of stuff that they eat.
1: Have 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 you ever eaten in a football ground? I mean, it's um, exactly the same wherever you eat. I mean, the pies are hideous, and I, I've, the tea uh, I've is desert.
0: I have horror of I, such but, things. So okay, I've, I've, I wanna, but I want to drag I've, this
1: back to... Back to, 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 to do, do good people make good food? And consequently, do bad countries have bad food?
0: Well, it's rather like saying do, do, do good... You know, it's good, exactly bad, like saying what, what, what it sounds like. What, what, do good people make... Good food. So do the Um, French
1: have good food because they're good people? Or does the food make them good people?
0: The Germans have very good music, but they're still very good at gassing. (laughs) And quite good at food. And much better at food than one would think. I I love German food. Yes, I know. But again, there's no such thing as German food. I mean, the Hamburg diet is very different from the Munich diet. Bit, yes. No, it's extreme. The Hamburg diet is Scandinavian. It's Scandinav- like, is 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 Scandinavian. Scouts, they make there. That's
1: where Scouts they, 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 originally came scouts, from.
0: Scouts comes from all Denmark and all through Schleswig-Holstein, actually. Um, I think it the, comes the, from Hamburg. Never and, mind! No, and what do what you get in, in, in Liverpool, Stevie Gerrard and so on, <laughs> um, is a, a, a debasement of, um, of lab Scouts. As you'd get it in Lubeck or Hamburg or any of those Flensburg.
1: But do you? I'm, I'm struggling still with this idea that, that people are made up of what they eat and where they come from. I, I years ago went and did um, went and went hunter gathering with with Bushmen to see because I have I had I had a theory about national cuisine and therefore personal taste. Um, And national tastes coming from the invention, or the the, when we begin to have static farming, so about ten thousand years ago, we start. You start identifying who you are with what you grow, and therefore you only like what you eat, and that's how you identify people around you who are your people, and you all eat the same thing. And so I wanted to go and eat with hunter gatherers and see what they, whether they felt the same, had the same tastes about food. And so I took with me while I went hunter gathering with them, we ate bullfrog, beetles, and a thing called a spring hare, which is an incredibly sweet little animal. And it looks like it was made by Walt Disney. It's got very long legs and runs like a kangaroo with huge, huge nocturnal eyes. And they used to catch them, and I, was, I went they jump on them and catch them, and the first thing they do is snap their back legs. Is, and they make little squeaky noises, which is very unpleasant. And I said to the bushman who'd done this, I said, why did you break its legs? And he said, the first rule of hunting is, never catch anything twice. Quite. (laughs) Um, But uh, but what I did was give them things to eat that they would never have eaten before. So I, I bought olives, anchovies, licorice, space ice cream, and said, what do you think of all these things? And they loved all of them. They ate all, everybody, the whole, everybody in the Xena in the, 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 the family ate everything. And in it, they identified what was good about it. We like this because it's got salt in it. We like this because it's got oil in it, and oil's a good thing. We like this because it's sweet and everybody in the world likes sweet things.
0: So for them, national f- taste just meant having food. Well, it also meant isolation because they hadn't had those things before. It was rather like up to the coming of the railways, um, you get vernacular architecture because uh, uh, kit to build the build buildings from could not had to be what was local, and so there was a kind of imposed localism. As soon as you get the railways, you get bricks coming from Accrington and Burton on Trent. You you get stone being used in areas where there are no quarries and so on. And it's the the same same with food. Once you've got the means of communication and you get spices brought from such and such a place, you get um, beans brought from Mexico, you get tomatoes brought brought from the New World too, all of these things are introduced and they become part of the local vernacular. But they're, they're... it doesn't mean to say that, that there isn't some, an actual core of things which are still peculiar to places, even though we're entirely globalised. Do you think
1: globalizing, the globalisation of food is a bad thing, in general? Do, do you think the fact that pizza is the international dish of everybody under the age of 30 is a
0: bad thing? Well, and people way over 30, like myself. Um, the... the I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think there's no, you, there's no going back. We, we, and it rather depends on how good the pizza is. The pizza in Marseille, where I live, is very different from the pizza in Naples, mm. and I'd say it's much better, because it's a tart fien. And the French do this thing. If they take something, they do this with people too, of course. They take something from, which comes from Mali or from Algeria or, in this case, from Naples, and they attempt to make it better. This happens to work with pizza. It doesn't necessarily work with people. But do you think that where food
1: comes from, that there is an authentic authenticity in, in, in food eaten in the place that it originally came from that gives it something
0: special? No. Right, should we have any questions then? <laughs> no, it, do, it, it doesn't. Because I, I remember when I was doing the Restaurant column in the Times. Um, driving for two and a half weeks in an effort to put on a couple of stone, um, going around the southwest of France trying to find the perfect cassoulet. And I got reco- You've been doing that all your life. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> uh, but I got recommendations from Pierre Kaufman of where to go and Christon Delte and you know, uh, Jean-Pierre Dupont, etc., etc. And um, I went with this list, and I was eating two cassoulet a day, Um, and um, coming on very, very promisingly on the scales. But I got to the point where all of these cassoulet were... There's a very good French word, which is fade, which kind of means sort of dreary, going on insipid, tired, etc. And the best cassoulet in France was at Alain Dutournier's restaurant in the 12th arrondissement of, of Paris, without any doubt whatsoever. And even though he transgressed, and he put lamb in, which I think is a kind of uh, an act of apostasy, um, he he did he, he 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 did that, and it was way beyond anything else. So I mean, the idea that there might obviously be somewhere in the southwest, in some bungalow in Castelnudo, the, the the best castle, but I couldn't find it, and I th- I think in general you. Today, but the globalisation of, of food has me- meant that the local has become global, and you're as likely to get a good pot-au-feu in Dubai as you are in um, Soissons. Yes, I, mean, I this is. I think this is
1: this is rather my point, and, and that 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 is a good thing. And what I what I dislike about food is the jingoism of food, is that the, the, the words that we have, the names that we call each other, that are. The, the, the throwaway derogatory lines of other countries, the krauts, the, the frogs, the roast beef, are all, are all names of things that you assume the others eat and that other people's food is dirty, that other people's food makes them less.
0: I don't think it assumes that it's dirty. I think it's almost kind of... Um, a, 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 a transparent, it's a, a, a description which is appropriate because <laughs> when you go to Germany, people do eat... Sauerkraut. And the French do eat frogs, and the English do eat roast beef, but probably not as much as the French. No, and the frogs they eat all come from Bangladesh now. Hungary? Hungary. Yeah. Which is home of the foie gras as well. Yes. Well, it's Jewish. And Israel. Israel's Jewish as well, yes. Uh, it's, it's, yes, but you know what Bernard Levin said when he went, went, to, went, to, went there?
1: To Israel? Yeah. Or to Hungary. No, to, to Israel. Israel, no. What did he say? He was Jewish. But
0: yes, he was. And Bernard Levin said, has no one here got a Jewish mother? <laughs> because the food is terrible. Because the food is Sephardi. F- well, it's, it's not Aspenauti. But, I, but I, we
1: were talking about Jewish food just now. I, I have this thing about Jewish this thing, I, I, I feel quite romantic about Jewish food until you have to eat it. Well, it's... Is it Jewish food? Jewish food is much, much better talked about, remembered, and wept over... And actually when you actually sit down to it
0: it's, I mean, very few things are as disgusting as gefilte fish. John, John Diamond had a very good line on this. He said that, that, that my, 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 my grandmother um, thinks if it's good after an hour it's going to be twice as good after two hours, three times as good after three hours. And that's her, her principle of all her cooking. Um, but no, it's, it, it, food in Israel is not I mean, it's, it, it's, it's um, generically Levantine. I mean, and you know, it's it's kosher where and the other countries. You know, the terrorists have have halal, which of course is entirely different. Entirely different. Yes. Um, but that I, but
1: that is that's principally what what I don't like about about the the, 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 the regionalization or the or the adoption, the political adoption of food is that it becomes this is what we eat and to be like us you have to eat like us. Whereas one of the great things about doing the job that we do is that you actually eat everywhere I and mean, you, you understand that the things that are really important about food are not big grand national things, they're not, they're not where your black pudding comes from, it's who you share your black pudding with. What's really good about food is the table and the people who are sitting around it with you. And, and well, I For those who like
0: eating in company, I quite like eating by myself. <laughs> I know, but that's because you're weird. <laughs> I, I do enjoy eating by myself and reading. I mean, it's it, it's it's a, it's a great pleasure, not um, having to not having to discuss the food as well, which is what the English do now. They used to not. They do. used to. We used to not. That was one of the, the great truths but about you, English food. You never discuss the natures no, or the no. No, you discuss nothing else. But you you're talking about London, and obviously London is vastly cosmopolitan, multicultural, diverse. Mm. Sorry. Vibrantly diverse, <laughs> um, and it, it, it offers a fantastic choice. Um, if you go to most cities, um, and certainly to most towns and to most villages, you don't have that choice. You do have this, the, every restaurant in, say, La Rochelle will have pretty much the same gamut of dishes on its menu. Um, ditto, uh, Livorno, uh, ditto Vienna, and you, you, which is a, quite a big city, but there is very, very little non-Viennese, uh, non autochthonous food there. Uh, it's good, what there is, but it, it, it's, it's very, very, very limited, even in this time of globalisation. Yes,
1: that's certainly true about Vienna, and it is very good. Uh, but that's because the Viennese are weird. Like well, you. you might say but the, the, Vien- the, the Roche-Loire are
0: weird, you might no, say no, the no, no that's are not, weird. But,
1: but, 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 but Vienna is, a, is particularly a, 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 a city
0: that's built on a nostalgia for something that probably never existed. Well, it looks like it wanted to be in the Eastern Bloc. Um, I mean, it's far, far more Soviet-looking than, say, Bratislava, which actually was in the Eastern Bloc. Bratislava. Bratislava has some of the worst food I've ever... Bratislava...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In Bratislava, there was a fantastic restaurant in Bratislava, which was called Kono Pizza. And Kono Pizza was... This man had obviously had this brilliant idea of how to improve a pizza. And he'd taken the pizza dough and he wrapped it into a cone (laughs) and served it like, I mean, like a wrap. But what it was just full of was melted cheese and tomato. It was impossible. It was, it was absolutely disgusting, but it is, it is Bratislava's father's
0: gift to the world of food. The cone sounds very like those which um, Michel Brass does at the um, service station by the Mio Viaduct, which is the greatest service station in the world. Um, and everything comes in cones, and they, they're made out of some kind of buckwheat, and they're absolutely delicious. But then this is one of France's greatest chefs. What did you grow up with? Um, I grew up w- with... Um, there's a huge list in an encyclopedia of myself, which is coming out um, <laughs> um, in about eight weeks, um, huge list of what my mother cooked. And it's interesting in that up to about 1958, um, her repertoire was probably pretty kindred to that of her mother, who was a good cook. And one would eat pilaf... Uh, tripe and onions roast beef um Wiener schnitzel stuffed cabbage um, uh, that's that sort of slightly sort of middle european um bias to it even though there was kind of no you know even though both sides of my my mother's family were scottish um, but then and she also... I found, after she died, a whole load of cookbooks which had been in the attic, like um, Secrets of Wiltshire Farmers' Wives' Kitchens and so on. And you go through these recipes, um, and there was one which is called A Tasty Supper Dish from a lady who lived in Winterslow, which is on the Downs, just to the east of Salisbury. Um, and it was gratin dauphinois. Um, exactly. And there were other dishes which were pot-au-feu, but they were called something different. And there was a cousinage between what the English ate up to probably the late twenties, early thirties, and that what what you got in in Britain. And it's it's very it was very quick uh, the the process by which the English lost their own cooking. It took. Six years of privation during the war, then um, about eight years of the dreadful Stafford Cripps, who was a nightmarish vegetarian, um, who thought, couldn't understand the idea that food might have something to do with pleasure. Um, And one generation has the thing stripped from them, The, the next generation doesn't even know what there was. And it, it disappeared. And then along comes Elizabeth David and Patience Gray, um, telling us that everything that comes from the, the South is better than yeah, our so, I mean, indigenous I, I mean I, That's my... my I, I was born in the last
1: year of rationing. And, and the food that I remember, the first food I remember from my childhood, is universally gray. And it all smells the same. There's, there is a, just a general smell to England, to London, which was coal gas and grey mints. I mean, I can't remember how many times a week we ate mints. Um, and it was... And, and forward-looking, socialistic, modern people who went to French films, like my parents, um, bought Elizabeth David and then went to the shops that she mentions in the back of the book yes, in yeah, yeah. Soho to find a garlic yes. and to the chemist to get the olive oil that was used for cleaning out your ears. Um, that's that you could get
0: olive oil in other you could. places you actually could. this is kind of great but to, great but, myth but to make
1: but I'm but but I mean the only pasta we ever had was macaroni I I re, I remember my my mother coming with the first ever kiwi fruit that had been seen in North London. I mean, the, these the, the extraordinary things, and I think that the food that we've invented, this new regionalism that you said that Britain now has, actually all comes from some, from St John's. I
0: well, mean, I don't a, think I don't think it ever. It isn't it, it isn't the real it,
1: regionalism at all. It, that, it's a it's a it's a
0: mythologising and, and and right, and. But the, the same has happened in France. I mean, France for for a decade and a half. There was this disease called Nouvelle Cuisine, which reached into the kind of, you know, the furthest pockets of, of, of La France profonde. Um, now, uh, the French have reacted against that by um, being big on what their grandma or their fictive grandmother or great grandmother is um, often the same in some villages. Um, um, <laughs> Had, 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 had allegedly eaten and cooked. I,
1: I want to move this on a bit, because the new, the new universal food, the orthodoxy of our food, um, the, the food, the, the tell-me-what-you-eat-and-I'll-tell-you-who-you-are food, is now non-food, is less food, is diet food, is that all I ever get asked about now is how, whether or not I, that's got sugar in it, or how much fat can I eat, or, what diet am I on? If I ever do a talk like this, somebody at the back will say, you call yourself a food critic, how come you're so thin? Are you and, posing uh, as a doctor as well? Then, yes, I is. am a doctor. Yeah. And, but but it, the idea of, of, of specific diets to be for, your, for health, turning, turning food into medicine seems to be an
0: unforgivable sin. Um. I am not aware of this um, in Marseille, in in Marseille, or indeed anywhere else. Although, having said which, um, French vegetarians um, are now becoming fairly abundant. Regrettably, Um, that that one one meets them. Um, No pun intended. (laughs) No, no pun. (laughs) I don't do puns. Um, Fifteen years ago, you wouldn't you wouldn't have encountered such people. Um, there's now a generation which has been... It is globalisation because it's been spread through the... Um, vegetarianism has been spread like... Like Vegemite. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like <laughs> anthrax.
1: <and laughs> like, like
0: mad anthrax. cow disease. Well, it's, we've religion, got it off religion, cabbages. Religion. Um, there is a kind of... There is a slightly sort of fundamentalist vegetarian edge to, to, to certain French but I now, be- I wonder, is, is there generation. anyone in
1: this room who hasn't been on some sort of diet in the last year?
0: No, lots of
1: I, That's actually quite a lot I would have thought it was, it was less than that I, I mean, I, maybe because I just um, I can't, someone's holding up a case I can't think what he says, what's it say? Five minutes to go, Five minutes to go. Okay um, Okay, well I, having, having involved you in this audio. I'm going to use the last five minutes if you've got any questions. You can ask either of us, and you don't have to be about food, but Jonathan's more interesting than I am. You. What about where you eat? I couldn't hear. Yeah. Food and architecture, dear.
0: Yes. Not just not just what you eat, but where you eat. Where you eat. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, um, where you eat? What do you mean? Kind of restaurants you eat in, or where you eat don't in your be house? do Where you eat in your house? No restaurants. W- w- Architecture R- out. Um, d- does it does it matter what the restaurant looks like? Is that perhaps something? Oh, you to... just
1: you can be. I bet you're hell to live with. Oh dear, I don't
0: know. <laughs> yes, what does it look like? I don't know, Jules. Um, <laughs> um, what does it look like? The ideal restaurant.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if I, yes, I'm. Yes. You haven't mentioned organic once, and you haven't mentioned food miles once. So, would it be better, for example, to eat organic food that's traveled halfway around the world, or <coughs> to eat something that's full of chemicals? Let me take this one. <laughs> okay. okay, okay. <laughs> within five miles of your, of your home. Right. Organics is all nonsense. It's rubbish. Air miles are real. So if you care about air miles, then don't, I don't care about and air miles. And you don't
0: miles. want to put up, put people out of work who who have been set up somewhere in, I don't know, Mali to produce um, a particular We're grain. We're not allowed to import food from Mali. Aren't we? OK, well, we'll some, come somewhere else. So you don't believe people like
1: Guy Watson and his philosophy on eating? Who's Guy Watson? Guy Watson runs Riverford, BBC Farmer
0: of the Year. I don't know. All I'd no, say I is No, I don't, don't know the BBC. The, the, Why, the, when, when did the BBC start farming? The, I mean, so- the, 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 the Soil that- Association was set up by a number of people who had been um, interned under regulation 18b. It's basically not Nazi. not The Nazis were the greenest, greenest regime ever. And um, I think the, the, the linking of food it's kind of blood and soil. Yes, it, exactly. I mean, it, it's, it's pernicious. I showed in one of those, that, was, that clip came from a series of three films. In one of them, I showed how to organicise, which is basically you just get some normal stuff and you kind of cover it in shit. <laughs> um, no. no. Honest? I mean, I'm astonished at you, really. We live in such a toxic environment, and surely the Surely if we can reduce the
1: amount of
0: chemicals and toxicity in our food that would be a good thing. No. We so we've it. got, a, we've no, got a, it doesn't we've got a, it. it doesn't we've taste got a, any long, better. We've gone along for a long time being Jonathan can I shoot full of, her? Full of chemicals. Please.
1: It doesn't taste any better. In blind tastings you couldn't tell and I couldn't tell. It's organic Is now whatever organic originally meant it has now been hijacked by Tesco's and Morrisons to charge you more for the same stuff. You're quite 20% fewer people now grow organically than they did five years ago. It was only worth it if they could charge you Notting Hill prices for your food that tasted just the same, that had no, was no better for you. The only th- things it does hurt are animals that could really do with a vet occasionally. is a very recent thing. So when we go to Yorkshire, for example, what is
0: the regionalism of Bradford to you now? Because after 1949, Bradford changed when the, the, the workers came from Pakistan. Kashmir. Yeah, but Bradford changed before that. When a huge number of Germans came to yeah. Br- Bradford. The of, so it's not just London, is it? No, but I mean, the bi- big, big cities which had... Uh, Small cities like, say, I know Salisbury, Chichester, Dorchester don't, don't attract immigrants particularly. Big cities do. Balty was born in Birmingham, in Sparkbrook, um, and as if it's a genuine, was a genuinely regional dish. I mean, it was just Sto- Stony Lane and Stratford Road, were the only places in Britain which had this dish, which was named after a bucket, unfortunately. Um, and um, Bradford presumably has a subcontinental or kind of pseudo subcontinental cooking which is peculiar to it just as as Leicester does about. that would be part of the regional vernacular of
1: bread
0: yes of okay. course okay. i mean just as you know you you'd get a, a particular kind of cooking in jewish Stamford hill or the, the um, what's it called in north of Manic, uh, Ch- Chetham Hill um, where, 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 where there was the big Ashkenazi communities and, and so, so yeah they're, they're endless micro, region, micro regional Harvey events. you wanted to ask a question what's your criteria for a great meal um, oh very good food very good wine uh, very good company um, and a vomitorium <laughs> None. None. Especially not what are, the, what are those people called? The Germans who do plates for restaurants. Vilvo vil, 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 Yes, especially and Bosch. not those. Chap here. Can you guys cook? Uh, yes. yes. Yes, we both can. Yeah. And what do you cook
1: when you cook? Food. What? Generally. What? Good food. Good food. Better, better sometimes. Can you be more specific about what you No, cook? because it's from everywhere and it's everything. Okay. My, All sorts of my, stuff. My, I never my, cook Japanese food. Mine
0: isn't. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare cook anything Japanese or Chinese or outside a very small repertoire. I mean, I'm a kind of ideal French housewife who knows about 15 recipes. Um, and if you want to marry me, well, yeah, i up
1: happy. Okay, we got one. We do one last question. The chat right at the back with his hand up. Is there a sort of navy blue of food for either of you, both of you? Is there a sort remember, of what? As in a navy blue of food, as in navy blue always looks good. And is there a? <laughs> a it's a very, very profound question. It's Peter. a very profound question. It's so absolutely fr- right. I'd expect nothing. I there. have a, a a friend, charming clever, New England, eats the same supper
0: every day. That's what Lu- Lord Lucian did. And it's, it, what it is, it's sort of mashed potato, it's basically chicken, sort of boiled chicken, mashed potato and
1: peas. Is this person a dog? And it's, <laughs> and it's completely lovely. Yeah, um, Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock ate a, a Davisole every 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 day. That's all he ever ate. And why not? Well, because then you end up
0: looking like Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> or you end up like Lord Lucan who ate lamb cutlets in winter and lamb cutlets on gelée in summer. Um and, and and that was it. And look what happened to him. Well, what did happen to him? <laughs> I think what happened Well my my I, I suspect he was trans he he, he sort of transmuted into um the poor rinker
1: ah rinker who remembers rinker nowadays um well i i hope he's now feeding lamb cutlets um okay i think that's probably our 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 time's up unless anyone's burning to shout something about organics or something (laughs) good okay jonathan thank you
0: very much thank you very much adrian This podcast was produced by Sarah Peters for Editorial Intelligence. With thanks to Vodafone, FT Weekend, CNN, GQ, and all the partners and participants who made and make Names Not Numbers possible. Thank you for listening.